All right, Mark chapter 10 is where we are going to be on this Palm Sunday. Verse 35 through 45, follow along in your Bibles as I read. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you mean you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to be indignant at James and John. Jesus called them all together and said, you know that that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. For many. Let's pray and ask God for help. Father, we do come to this text this morning knowing that this is your word, which is inerrant and inspired and for us. So we ask that you would be gracious to us this morning and help us, convict us, show us what it means to be servants, self-sacrificial love for you and for others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you were to go two chapters forward in the Gospel of Mark, you would see another interaction that Jesus has with some people. He's asked, what is the greatest commandment? Does anybody remember the answer? Love your God with all your heart, and that's the first. And then he said, and the second is like it. Anybody remember that one? Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some people today would say that there are three greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. And the third one is like it. Love yourself. Some people will preach that. that the whole love God, love others is really about, check this out, love yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Love yourself. I'm not really going to go there. But people do that, right? So we're going to talk about, all about self-love this morning. That's exactly what Jesus was getting at, wasn't it? No. (laughs) Listen, that word agapao right there, that's a word that talks about selfish, uh, I'm sorry, self-sacrificial love. Self-sacrifice. Oh, so Jesus means self-sacrifice for yourself. That doesn't make any sense. No, this whole 
as yourself is just simply based on the concept that's simple. Ephesians 5 says it. Nobody's ever hated their own body. It assumes the fact that we take care of ourselves. It's not telling us to focus on ourselves. It's saying, look, you already do. You already are self-consumed. The person who hurts their body, neglects their body, well, that's a mental disorder. And honestly, friends, if that does describe you, I don't mean to be condescending. Get help. Come and talk to me. Harming yourself is a disorder. But Jesus is here. What he's simply saying is this. You love yourself. Love others. Love God. See, we are so obsessed with ourselves, aren't we? We live in a self-obsession kind of culture. What are you obsessed with this morning? What is your seven days a week look like this morning? What are you obsessed about? Are you obsessed about your name? Having a great name? Are you obsessed about success? Doing well? Proving to yourself that you can do something that you were always told you can't do? Maybe you're obsessed with uh, remaining unknown. Remaining quiet because you're afraid of criticism. You're obsessed with self-protection, self-preservation. Maybe you're obsessed with music, which music is a great thing. You just have to have sound around you. Why? It's because you're obsessed with just getting your mind elsewhere so you don't have to deal with reality. Maybe you're obsessed with a drug addiction. Maybe you're obsessed with some, something that just for, uh, temporarily uh, takes your mind elsewhere from this world. What, what are you obsessed with this morning? What Jesus wants us to be obsessed with is his glory and the cross. Jesus wants us to be obsessed with a cross kind of life. A life that is lived, poured out for others. A life that is lived in glory to God. That is what Jesus wants us to be obsessed with. Man, woman, rich, poor, old, young, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all of us, Jesus wants us to have the same obsession this morning. That is the glory of the cross. Self-sacrificial love for God and others. Now, I want to talk to you today on this theme, go to the cross. Palm Sunday is a day where we, where we remember the fact that Jesus was, was on his way into Jerusalem, right? And the crowds praise him. Hypocrisy, right? They turn against him. Jesus knows as he's going through all the hosannas and all the praises, he knows what's up. He knows where he's heading. He knows he's going to the cross. And Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him where? To the cross, some people say, oh, my job, it sucks. That's the cross I have to bear. The cross isn't your job. Oh, man, if you knew my wife, she is the cross I have to bear. Your wife is not your, your cross to bear. What is the cross to bear? That's what we're going to talk about today. And it looks nothing like what the world tells us. See, in the world today, uh, a lack of self-worth is a problem. When we see all the photoshopped images 
uh, when we are constantly scrolling and seeing everybody's highlight reel on Instagram and on Facebook, and we, we just feel so miserable about our own lives. And everybody just kind of like is drawn in this society, it seems like, towards self-hate. You never know it, but that's what we're all battling, self-hate. And see, then the world comes along, and here's the world's answer to self-hate. The world says, well, love yourself, self-love. Love yourself. What does that mean? It means discover yourself and, and express yourself and love who that person is. Say the words, I am. I am great. I am brilliant. I am smart. I am beautiful. There's a certain pastor right now, and uh, I, I won't say his name, but we do share the, first, or the same first name. He wrote a book called I Am. And it has nothing to do with the great I am that I am. It has to do with me. I saw a little promo video for it. What he said was this. Say the words I am. And then say whatever you want to say after that, whatever you want to be. And that will be, the blessings will just, I am blessed and blessings will follow you. So I see people do this on Facebook. I, I see people, I am I've got a friend right now on Facebook. I am brilliant. I am smart. I am successful. I am whatever. Self-love. It, it kind of ends up being self-obsession, doesn't it? We really just kind of end up at the end of the day like really just obsessed with me, with who I am, and trying to speak all of this stuff into existence trying to love myself and trying to just tell myself that I'm better and, and having you know, the power of positive thought. And if you, if you just think better thoughts, then your world's going to change. And this is all just wrapped up in the world's solution to self-hate. And the world says in order to not hate yourself, you've got to love yourself. Friends, what does the Bible say? We want to go to God's Word this morning and the Bible takes us to the cross. So we want to walk to the cross with Jesus. So we might know rightly how to think of ourselves. I read a book by John Stott. It's called The Cross of Christ. And he has a chapter that I'm, I'm basically just stealing his outline this morning. I was so moved by it. Uh, and and uh, it was written years ago. Yet the problem is the same today. The world is a world of self-hate. And the solution is wrong. Let's go to the cross this morning. Amen? Amen? So what do we see when we go to the cross? What, how, what do we learn about ourselves? As we go to the cross with Christ, the first thing we learn is this. We learn what it means to, to deny ourselves. When we go to the cross, we are immediately hit with self, not self-love, but self-denial. Self-denial. To get into the passage here, let me tell this, uh, uh, or bring up this, this reference uh, for you. It's presidential season right now, and we recently have had a, uh, a certain candidate who's been endorsed by someone, and there's all of these rumors, I don't know if they're true or not, doesn't matter, there's all these rumors going around saying this, this guy that endorsed this candidate uh, was, is promised a job in the White House. So you can just imagine in political season how this might go down. Guy's running for, the can, uh, running for president, and, and some, somebody comes up to him and, and, uh, and says, hey, can I make a request of you? And the candidate looks at him and says, 
what do you want? And the guy says, look, when you get into the White House, can I be your right-hand man? Right? So he's getting behind the candidate. Why? For one reason. For glorification. Is, that's what's happening in this text right here. Look at it. These two guys, James and John, they're the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee is a fisherman, all right? So this is like blue-collar kind of work. Uh, they've never had much glory in life. They've never had much power in life. James and John now are following Jesus, and they see Jesus on the way to, quote-unquote, the White House, for lack of better words. Meaning, they, in their context, they think Jesus is going to be lifted up and glorified now in this world on earth as king. And so they make this request. Look at the request that they make of Jesus in verse 35. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Well, what's the problem with this statement? First of all, it's bold. And it's just wrong-spirited. We want you to do for us. See, they're looking at Jesus as a way to, to get glory and power in this world now. That's why they're following Jesus. Because they think Jesus can make their life amazing now. So, as you get into your glory, uh, we want you to do something. Look at Jesus' response. Well, first, first look at the request. The request is this in verse 37. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus' response is, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you have no clue what your request is. Who's, when Jesus is lifted up in His glory, who's at His right and His left? Is that what they have in mind? To be on His right and His left, hanging in His glory? Jesus said, you have no clue what you're talking about. You think entering into the kingdom is about earthly glory and glamour and power. You don't know what you're, you're asking. And so Jesus asks them, He says, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? What was the cup? It's death. It's the cup of, the cup of suffering. Listen, in the ancient world, the king coming into his kingdom, the cup in their context would refer to the wine cup entering into his kingdom. This celebratory glass of wine. What was Jesus' cup as he entered into his kingdom? Jesus lifted his cup. He said, it's my blood. This is my passion. This is my cup. This is the cup of glory. It's my suffering that's being poured out for you. What is the cup that we drink? We'll drink it today. It's, it's nothing more than a symbol of this cup. The suffering of the passion. Jesus says, can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? What's Jesus referring to there? In Jesus' passion, He was baptized completely by His passion and buried in the ground. His love for you took Him to His death and He hung on the cross and died for your sins so that you would be forgiven and He was buried in the dirt. That's His baptism. Oh, He's saying, can you be baptized with what I'm about to be baptized with? Our baptism, your baptism, your water baptism, what's a, it's, a, it's a symbol of being united completely with Christ in His baptism. United with the family, we're all coming together saying we're going under the water and coming out of the water and we're saying we're united with Christ in His baptism. What does that mean? When you were baptized, think about that moment. What does that mean? It means that you are giving up 
your life. It means that you are willing to die for Christ. They've got no clue. Let me just break this down for you. Jesus, uh, or, uh, before I get to Jesus, let me quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Not Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian. He was, he, he was put to death by the Nazis in 1945. Uh, he was a German theologian who resisted Hitler, and it cost him his life. And he did it uh, for, for, for Jesus. He was standing up for what he knew to be right. And Bonhoeffer, almost prophetically speaking, like before he died, uh, in one of his letters, in one of his writings, one of his books, actually, he said, uh, he said uh, the invitation to Jesus... It's an invitation to come and die. It's an invitation. Though all of you who are not Christians in the room today, I invite you to come and die. That's the reality. The life of Christ is death to our old self. How do we die? What does this mean? Because we're all still physically alive. Number one, we die to our sinful desires. Paul in Galatians, he says, it's no longer I who live. I am dead, but it's Christ who lives within me. He goes on to say, I am dead to the law. What's Paul getting at? I mean, he's physically alive. What he's saying is this, is that the flesh in which, into which I was born is dead. The old man is dead. I have died to the constraint of the law. I've died to the... To the, uh, to the uh, um, the constraint in which the law brought death upon me. I, I'm, I'm dead to the consequences of falling away from Christ. I'm dead to my former self and I've been raised to new life. The, the technical term that's used in theology is the mortification of sin. It's killing it. It's when you find this old dead self rearing its ugly head, you chop it off. You kill it. You mortify sin. We die to our sinful desires. Secondly, we die to our egotistical desires. This whole bit of drinking the cup, this isn't about our own ego being stroked. This isn't about coming into the kingdom and it's about me drinking this glass. But no, it's about suffering and death. We die to our egos. We die to our names. We die to our self-glorification. We take on a role of suffering servant. We, thirdly, we die to our physical desires. We die to our physical desires. This picture of baptism, Jesus' own baptism was the burying of his passions. We, as our, as our water baptism, symbolizes being united with Jesus' baptism. What we're doing is we are dying to ourselves. I'm walking now in new life with Jesus Christ. That means this, there's not a Christian who, is, who would stand on this stage and be baptized who's not saying, I am willing to physically die for Jesus. That's what we're saying. I'm willing to die to my physical desires, even my very own physical life. We die to ourselves in a hundred different ways in following Jesus. And friends, your own death is imminent as a Christ follower. I would not be surprised if God calls one of you, five of you, ten of you, maybe all of us at some point, to physically die for him. 
And if that day comes, we will do so glorying in the cross of Christ. Self-denial. Now I've painted a picture for you of yourself that is so grim and bleak that you might think that we are worthless. Scum. Worms. Well, self-denial is only one side of the story. Let's turn the coin around. And what we see is when we go to the cross, we find self-affirmation. We see this in the last line of this story, this text, for Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. A friend of mine some years ago, before I had my own children, I was, I was hanging out with a buddy. And uh, we, he had two beautiful little girls and we were, we were walking around the mall pushing his girls in the stroller. Um, and, and he... I forget why we were talking about the kids, but he said something along the lines of, man, it wasn't until I had these girls that I just really knew that I would die for somebody. Like I would do anything for them. I would do anything to serve them. You know, someone's willingness to die for another, maybe a boyfriend, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a roommate. I know you would all die for your roommates, right? <laughs> Amen? Um, Somebody's willingness to die for another. What it communicates is uh, value of who that person is. What does it mean that Jesus is coming to serve us? Jesus didn't die for a tree. He didn't die for a cup of coffee. Jesus didn't die for a dog. He died for humans. Why? It's because humans are made in God's own image. It means that humans are walking icons of who Jesus is, like little mirrors everywhere we go, and we reflect the glory of God, John Stott says in his book. He says God takes sin seriously because God takes humans seriously. Humans are of intrinsic worth and value. We see in this, this, this one line here the value that we have as a human being First, in, in just simply who we are as an image bearer of God. John Stott tells in his book a story of uh, a young African-American child who, rebelling against all of the, uh, the lies that whites had told him about being lesser than because of the color of his skin, he takes a banner and he puts, sticks a banner up on his wall and he writes on the banner, I'm me, I'm good, because God don't make junk. That is such a true theological statement. God don't make junk. Created in God's image, women are, uh, are, are not lesser than just simply because they're not a man. But male and female together created in God's image and lifted up as good. There's no shade of, of skin color that is lesser than. But every hue good in God's image of great worth, walking icons. Don't you see the picture of the goodness of humanity? Humanity. 
in the Scriptures. The affirmation that you receive knowing that you are created in God's image and that Christ came to serve you, a human. Secondly, we have self-affirmation based on what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for me. That's a true theological statement. Jesus died if you trust Him as your Savior for you. That is a true theological statement. How can you hate yourself knowing that Christ came to serve you? How can you look down on yourself? How can you cut yourself? How can you not eat? How can you uh, uh, not take care of your body? How can you uh, uh, participate in uh, activities that de-glorify your body? Man, how can you look at pornography? Right? Like, how can we do these things that just dishonor our bodies? Knowing that Christ came to serve me. He came to serve you. Also, we, we see who we belong to here. You see that word ransom right there? That is, that is uh, that's marketplace language. That's ownership language. You know, in 2012, on eBay, a uh, fingernail, one of the fake fingernails, it was a fake one, fake fingernail of Lady Gaga, sold for $13,000. A fake fingernail. Why? Because it was Lady Gaga's. It's who the fingernail belongs to that makes it worth $13,000. If it was Montrell's fake fingernail, it would have been way $20,000. Can somebody say Amen. Listen, your worth comes in who owns you. Don't you realize that you have been bought with a price? Don't you realize that there was a debt to pay for your sins and Jesus came and died on the cross to pay your debt. He gave the ransom for you. This is marketplace language. Especially in the ancient world. Someone who could not pay a debt would find themselves being sold as a slave in the ancient world. And someone could come along, a friend perhaps, and pay the ransom to buy that individual back out of slavery. Now who does that individual belong to in the ancient world? It would be the one who paid the ransom. This is the image that Jesus wants us to think of. Jesus has bought us out of slavery. We are, as our last series said, finally free. And who do we now belong to? Jesus. We belong to God. And so then we are of great worth because you are God's. God owns you. eBay can't even put a price on you because we're looking at the value of God. Oh, how can we self-hate when we go to the cross? And we see what Christ has done for us. Now, this leads us back then to that first concept. Loving God and loving others. When we put away self-glorification and we take on the glory of the cross, 
What does that look like? What it looks like is living a life of self-sacrificial love. What it looks like is living a cross-centered life. It means being a, a, a community of the cross. What does it mean to live a cross-centered life? It means we, we have three choices. <clears throat> you have three choices to make. Number one, you choose between your selfish ambition and sacrifice. You choose. You have to choose this morning between your own selfish ambitions and sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life. One theologian said that all of Jesus' living was dying. None of it was about his own selfish ambition. His entire life, every second of it, was of giving, was of sacrifice. You sacrifice. You don't have a family for your own good. You have a family so that you have people to sacrifice for. As a single person, you don't have a, maybe a little extra money in the bank or extra time just simply for your own self. You do it to sacrifice for others. Husbands called to lay down their lives for their wives. Wives to sacrifice their desires for the good of their husbands. We sacrifice the white picket fence so that we might identify with the marginalized and the broken. Some might sacrifice jobs so that they might care for the eternal good of others. You know, even gathering this morning, week, week to week, this is a sacrifice. Some of you, you sacrificed sleeping in this morning, amen? In order to be here. Seriously. You sacrificed making an extra dollar, picking up an extra morning shift. So that you could gather. All, all of the Christian life, it's a life of sacrifice. Not just for my good but for your good, for the good of one another, and for the glory of God. We choose between not only self-ambition and sacrifice, but we choose between power and service. We choose between power and service. The world grabs for power. And everywhere the world grabs for power, Christians know that true influence and true power is not found in worldly power, but it's found in service. It's found in laying down one's life in service for another. In what ways in your own relationships are you grabbing for power as opposed to service? In what ways in your own heart as you think of your, your, your entire life are you grabbing for power instead of a life of service? At your job maybe, are you just trying to have power and influence or are you a servant? Do you hold the position that you hold at work because you grabbed for it in power or is it because you are such a great servant they couldn't do without you? Christians are servants. We serve one another. 
and at the very core, we serve God. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we serve God. Thirdly, we choose between comfort and suffering. We choose between comfort and suffering. You know, Jesus never said, looking at Christians, in this world, you will have comfort. He never said that, did he? Now, what do we say? We say, in this world, I want comfort. What did Jesus reply? In this world, you will have, somebody say it, suffering, trouble. You know, suffering is a normal part of what it means to be a Christian. We serve a Savior who suffered. We serve a Savior whom the world rejected and put on the tree. And that's the one that we're following. And we embrace a life of suffering. You know, another thing that nobody ever says is, man, I remember this time in my life when I was so comfortable, and that was when I really grew spiritually. I've never heard anybody say that. Man, I I was just like, I had no problems, I had no worries, I had no troubles, and I was just growing spiritually. Nobody ever says that. You know what people say to me all the time? They say it was when I was suffering. It was when I lacked. It was when I was crying, when I was weeping, when I was destitute, when I was broken. That's when I grew spiritually. Suffering produces godliness. John Stott goes on and he says, he says, the reason so many people lacking godliness is because we're all avoiding suffering. Look, we don't, we're, we're not weird. We're not like mentally weird and just like go find suffering. But we are people who recognize that following Jesus is a life of suffering. And that it should be expected and it should be normal. And that we should look to the Lord during times of suffering. Are you about your comfort? Or would you choose suffering? It's a real question. These three questions, you have to answer them today. Are you about your selfish ambition or sacrifice? Are you about power or are you about service? And are you about comfort or are you about suffering? The world gives us two options. Self-hate on one hand. Self-love on the other. But Jesus takes us to the cross And going to the cross with Christ, we walk away from self-glorification. And we glory only in the cross of Christ. What was Jesus' obsession? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. That's the question that leads us to self-denial. That's the question that leads us to affirmation of oneself in the cross of Christ. What was Jesus' obsession? He wasn't obsessed with the things that we're obsessed about. But Jesus' obsession was the glory of God and love for those who are created in His image. That was the obsession of Christ. And what ought to be your obsession this morning? Your obsession is the glory of God and self-sacrificial love. Self-sacrificial love for God 
Sacrificing anything that would keep you from intimate, an intimate relationship with God. Self-sacrificial love for others. Caring for the poor, the oppressed, the broken, the hurting, the destitute. Being more about the, the eternal good of your brother or sister than about anything else. The cross. That's what it's about. That's what Palm Sunday is about. It's about the cross. And as we go to the cross this morning, it's impossible to walk away without being affected and moved and desiring to live a life of self-sacrificial love. So let's do so. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the cross of Christ. We thank You for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank You for the fact that we are not just simply left with, with self-hate or self-obsession, but we are left with Christ. Jesus is where we begin and end. God, let us be obsessed with who You are. Let us be obsessed with the glory of Christ on the cross. Let us be obsessed with what it means to love one another. Let us be obsessed about self-sacrificial love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.